Good morning. Today is Monday, June 21st, 2021. I'm your host, Evan George, and welcome to Bostopia News. And here's what's happening in the news today. The Boston City Council is in for its largest shakeup since 1993, with the amount of current councillors not seeking re-election. To date, 48 different contenders have qualified to appear on the ballot for September 14th prelims. This is a, across the four at-large seats and the nine district races. There are seven total candidates for the four at-large seats, and that includes the two incumbents, Julia Mejia and Michael Flaherty, and 21 candidates running in the three open seat district races from Campbell, Janey, and O'Malley. Certainly cannot go through each race in detail, but a quick look at the fundraising numbers will show that for at-large, Rusi Lujan has raised more money than any other candidate, a lawyer and former senior counsel Elizabeth Warren, sitting in at $154,000, with then Kelly Bates at more than $100,000, and Aaron Murphy, Dave Halbert, both close to $72,000. In the race to replace O'Malley, Kendra Hicks, Boston DSA endorsed candidate, and Mary Tamer, both have 70000 cash on hand, and two more Races of interest, there are nine candidates running in District 4, and in my district, District 3, Stephen McBride is putting up a challenge to Frank Baker, and Stephen currently has a little more than 16000 in the bank. If you're interested in getting involved, please let me know. Michelle Wu has pulled in an endorsement by the MBTA Inspectors Union Local 600. This is certainly great to see as somebody who has endorsed Michelle Wu for her to be pulling in union endorsements, particularly with the MBTA as the issue of what to do with the structurally defunded agency has certainly been one of the larger issues in this year's mayoral race. And while Michelle already had the most progressive and ambitious plans for public transportation in Boston, hopefully this endorsement will solidify her as the public transportation candidate of choice. A century-old exemption in state law has allowed Boston to skip a redistricting process to re-examine voter precincts every 10 years. And the result is that the city's fastest-growing neighborhoods, many of them, the majority residents of people of color, have been forced to cram into single polling locations while their peers in the wealthiest neighborhoods of the city enjoy much shorter and more convenient locations. This written up by a great article by Emma Platoff in The Globe. In Chinatown, more than 7,000 voters must share a single polling location, whereas in Brookline, 478 registered voters are asked to go to the same location. All six of the mayoral candidates have supported making changes to the voting precincts, and I am unsure to what extent this fight is wrapped up in the larger fight over redistricting, which is occurring at the state level. But I will keep an eye out for the redistricting, both here in Boston and across the state, and update you as soon as I know. The heat wave experienced across New England this month, which had five days of 90 degree plus heat, which was the longest June heat wave in nearly a century, resulted in peak electricity demand for air conditioning, also resulting in 36 million extra pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, which is the equivalent of 3,551 cars driving for one year straight, 
or 18 million pounds of coal burned. This is a dangerous cycle that I discussed a few weeks ago, quoting now from Joseph Daniel, the senior energy analyst with the Climate and Energy Program at the Union of Concerned Scientists. Climate change is driving more and hotter heat waves, which is forcing us to use our AC units more, which is driving up emissions and causing more climate change, and so on and so forth, perpetuating itself. And there is two different directions that we could take at a policy level to try to combat this. The first is in a neoliberal austerity mindset to chastise people, to tell individuals that they must regulate themselves, that it is up to each individual to try to consume less, which I'm telling you now is not going to happen. Similarly, we could just make the price of electricity so expensive that only the wealthy will be able to run their air conditioners to their heart's content, while poorer people will suffer the massive health ramifications of living in unbearable heat, or we can transition off of our fossil fuel infrastructure to renewable energy. And the lack of any urgency that we are having at the federal, state, and local level is so shocking that it goes beyond words. And last year, the state released its 2030 Clean Energy and Climate Plan, which included the goal of moving currently 400,000 homes heating and cooling with electricity to 1 million homes. But again, that is only a goal, and very little is actually being due to force this transition upon developers and our energy providers. Charlie Baker announced late last week that not a single dollar from the $2.8 billion in federal pandemic relief funding that he gets to allocate will actually be given towards public health programs. Quoting from Mike Hugo, government affairs liaison at the Massachusetts Association of Health Board says, it's a public health crisis that caused all of this federal funding to happen. And now then he wants to turn his back on this. Many local health departments operate without a single nurse, infectious disease expert, or health agent trained in detecting toxic lead in households. And the computer software systems that are used at these local departments of public health are so archaic that Massachusetts lacks the ability to track whether proper food inspections are happening across the state, how many housing complaints vary across regions, and whether those issues are uniformly addressed. This written up by Kay Lazar in The Globe. It's worth repeating that Massachusetts had a statewide vaccination program should we ever be hit with a pandemic similar to what we experienced. However, Charlie Baker at the last minute decided to throw out those plans and instead go with private contractors from California who brought in millions of dollars a year and are to blame for the very shaky start that Massachusetts experienced during the vaccination rollout. This is all part of a much larger plan to further starve public departments and make it even more justifiable for further administrations to go with private vendors instead. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Hope you all had a great weekend. If you are new to the show, please scroll down, five stars, share on social media, and I will be going live tonight at 9 p.m. Take care and have a great day.